Episode 46 of the Coys R Us podcast. I'm Joel. I've got Jesse. I've got Ben. And we are looking ahead to the 2023-24 Tottenham Hotspur season. Before we get into looking ahead, we're going to take a quick look back because right before we started recording, we were talking about the prospect of Kane leaving and, and talking about what we would do with the money. And we had a whole conversation about what we did with the money after we sold Gareth Bale back in what year was it? 2013? 2013, yeah, September 2013. 1 was the official uh, day of sale. And um, and Jesse found an interesting statistic, statistical tidbit um, in regards to what <laughs> happened or I guess what what. What was what was the conversation about his uh, his best season? Was it? Yeah, just started looking at some of those guys, and and I was trying to remember which names. Erickson was obviously the best player of that group, but Nasser Chadley second in the on the team in goals in 2014-15, had eleven in the league. Uh, second to Harry Kane with twenty one. Erickson had ten. Nobody else had more than three. I just. I was watching every game, but I just, I don't, I still couldn't remember. I can't remember one Nasser Chadley goal, like, of note. Like, I feel like I can remember goals for, yeah, I remember there was 10 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) I heard there were goals, but there, none of them were memorable enough. And I definitely do not remember like Nasser Chadley hat tricks or like getting a few braces. And it's like, those must have been just sprinkled very lightly to the point where we can't remember them. Must be. Uh, we have to find that YouTube uh, video for Nasser Chadley. I'm trying. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like whenever we talk about the bail money and how it was spent, it's always this cautionary tale of how, number one, it was not spent well. And I think it's usually used as a feather in the cap of the people who say Enoch and Levy don't know how to spend money. Um, I think that's also a part of the argument for the whole Harry Kane situation of like, if we sell him and we get, you know, 100 million pounds, what's going to be the value of it if we don't spend it well? And like, even before we started recording, we were having the conversation about like, every time we've had a big money signing, they typically have not panned out the way that we wanted them to. A lot of the players that we have like really worked out, we're like, you know, Delhi Alley for, you know, five million pounds or, you know, getting Kulisevsky and Benton Kerr because Juventus just didn't want them. Like some of the money players that we spent money on, the Davinson Sanchez's, the Tangy and Dombele's have not worked out. And um, I mean, we, we're, we'll, we'll have a conversation about the incoming transfers that we've had so far. But Ben, you were going to say something. Yeah, no, I just, as you were saying that, it made me think, who is our best high dollar signing? And I know that that can be, um, you know, subjective, but who is our most expensive signing that's actually gotten close, at least, to uh, expectations? I mean, Cuddy and Fury? Uh, so far, probably. Yeah. How much did How much did Hugo cost? He was not that much, I don't think. I mean, yeah, goalies are usually are not that expensive anyway. Right, it was so long he was, ago. He was, he was another one of those ones that I think people were surprised both that he went to Spurs and that he was only as much as he was. Like, all right, here, I'm pulling up the top 10 here. So he's not even the top 10. But let's go. There. So number one is his Endembele, 62 million. So these are in euros, so 62 million. For Charleston for 58. Uh, Romero for 50. So that's probably a pretty good shout, uh, Madison. So we'll we'll uh, see on that. That one that matters is what forty pound, forty million pounds. So yeah, in euros is probably euros. okay. Uh, Pedro, uh, Pedro Poro, forty five. Jury's out on that one for sure, especially with the change in system. Uh, Sanchez for forty two. Man, number seven, Sissoko. <laughs> Sissoko got battered, and then it all of a sudden became like a weird. Uh, like folklore hero for the team, and then well, that's that's what's happening right now with Emerson, Emerson, right? That is, that's almost exactly what's been happening with Emerson too. Uh, Lacelso, it says thirty-two million. That doesn't sound right. I thought he was closer to Tongi. 
uh, prices. LaCelso was the player that we bought after we didn't want to spend the money to get Bruno. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time it was like, yeah, well, they're going to be fine with either one. This will be, they'll both work out the same. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> you know, real Sophie's choice. No, they, they have to pick from, uh, from gold and, uh, and, and platinum. Like you're going to be fine either way. Obviously that's not been the case, but oh man, like this LaCelso, this LaCelso recovery arc would be unbelievable. Everybody really? was talking about this with a Nabele too. So all of a sudden it's flipped. It seemed like uh, La Celso was, was, you know, destined to leave. Everybody thought he was going to leave, what, a month ago? So, yeah. yeah. Seems- I mean, I'm, I'm not buying into it, but I... I hey, it, yeah, that was like, Celso jersey I bought three years ago. I could finally wear it could, again, maybe. Could be know, back. Without with people will know what it is. It might be in a different number, but who knows? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I will say I do feel like there's a very good chance. I mean, even I don't know if this was with you guys or with a different group chat, but having a conversation about like who's supposed to be Madison's backup this season. And yeah, LaCelso is like the only name to put out there because there there really isn't any other maybe attacking midfielder who can. If, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe. But it, but in theory, you would have him starting on the wing. Right. Yeah. And so I don't know. I mean, I, I've seen a few of the preseason games. We've had fewer than we would have liked due to unforeseen circumstances. But from what I have seen, he looks to be like like this is kind of where he thrives in this type of system. We've seen him play under Jose Mourinho. We've seen him play for Argentina He's always looked really well for really good for Argentina and not so good for Spurs. And I think a part of that, uh, probably majority of the reason why is because he has the opportunity now to actually have the ball at his feet, to actually push forward, to attack, to make things happen um, versus being one of two midfielders or being kind of a counterattacking midfielder, which is doesn't really suit his strengths, I don't think. Um did either of you get a chance to see the Barcelona pre pregame match, uh, preseason match? No, saw no. saw a couple highlights. Saw the the Spurs subreddit was going nuts for uh, Sanchez being calm on the ball in his own box. I watched that <laughs> a couple times. I know there was a lot of uh, big up in Sanchez. It's funny. It's it's. I remember hearing that last year is that apparently Sanchez is really impressive in in training that he's really cool on the ball, and then you see him in, in games and it's just like is this? It's got to be a mental thing, right? I I can't I can't imagine. I don't know. Do you think that's more Sanchez potentially trying to play his way back, or is that just making him look more um, appealing to other teams on the transfer well, market? I mean, like we, it's still work. Right. Like these, these guys are still, these are still workplaces with different bosses. And, uh, you know, they're, if you've been at at different jobs or you've seen people come and go, like there's certain people that are going to work better under a certain culture or leadership style or how a person runs an organization or department. Um, and there's other times that you're, you're not like whether it's style of play or those kinds of things, but there's like, super oversimplification but like you've seen like you've had bosses that you've enjoyed playing for that you're going to also normally they motivate you more and the style of play is going to fit better so maybe that's what it is of just like you know what if the thing that comes about like one man's trash other man's treasures maybe some of our trash players are actually going to be treasures because we have such a different system and approach now that like these guys might fit it better so it was just not so to, negative and if you're if davinson i'm not saying he is but if he's a guy that needs a needs a carrot more than a stick it was all stick for like four years, uh, you know, plus COVID too much, too much stick. <laughs> yeah. And like, these guys are also like, for the most part, you know, 19 to 28 years old. Like, yeah. I, I mean, everybody in this pod's 30 plus, which is a, which is a good thing. Right. Yeah. I, right. I, I really, like, I really like the fact that our team is, is young, but like, think about how much you were not yet comfortable being you, you know, at that age. And then there's a lot of stuff that goes on. So we'll see. I mean, I, I feel like, I'm ready for – I feel like we've got enough uh, pots in the fire that one of them's going to pop with these redemption arcs, whether it's Sanchez. It's not going to be dire, I'll tell you that much. Um, but it could be Sanchez, could be Gio. You know, could – that skip was, like, fully uh, off. But, like, skip, I feel like it's kind of like, bro, when are you going to do something? Um, hey. Uh, 
brace yesterday. Yeah, that was good. Maybe that was it. I watched the first half. I tried to watch the second half and got distracted by this strange thing called work. But from what I saw, it's a lot to be excited. I like I don't want to be the guy that's excited, you know, three days before the season starts. But I, I'm kind of that guy right now. And I'm usually pretty cynical, pretty even keeled. Um, and 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 I I'll also preface this by saying, like, by no means do I believe that we're a top four club. I know there's a lot of Spurs fans spotting that right now. Yeah, we should push for top four. I, I don't think we're there quite yet. I think it's going to take a little bit of time. I do see us still conceding a lot of goals, but still fewer than last year. But I think what's excited me about this season is the fact that like, we're actually trying to score. We're actually trying to hold possession. There's just a lot more action on and off the ball. There's more players in the midfield. Like A lot of the things that we've been complaining about over the course of the past couple of years I feel like Ange has been the antithesis of those systems and ways of thinking. And even the second goal that Skippy scored against Barcelona was very, it was like prototypical Ange ball, like getting the ball out into the wing, Ivan Perisic in the channel, players crashing into the box, creating space where you're pushing the center backs into the into the goalie, having space for the midfielders to crash in and score goals. And that's exactly how Skippy scored. And even if he hadn't headed it home, there were probably three or four other players standing around in the box ready to bang it in. And like that is a formation that I have not seen for years <laughs> with Spurs. Like just that sense of creation that sense of pushing forward and frankly like we lost the match yeah i know it's a preseason game so it really doesn't matter anyway but like they didn't really even start scoring goals against us and start uh we didn't start conceding possession until we started rotating and we were playing you know alfie devines and and dane scarlets and we walked into that game with a b squad anyway romero didn't play sunny didn't play Kane didn't play. Madison didn't play. Was we Barca were side a B side or like a side? I didn't really. No, even they had Rafinha. They had Lewandowski. They had like they were. I saw Lewandowski. Gavi, uh, uh, what's his name? Gavi, Pedri, one of those guys. Maybe both of them were playing. Like they, they had their team for the most part, and we had like sixty percent possession. Like it was. I feel like we and on the road have the opportunity this year to like actually like control the flow of games whereas under jose specifically but also under conte it felt like we spent so much of the games kind of allowing other teams to impose themselves and then us just trying to find opportunities to counter whatever that they were doing but we very rarely imposed our own methods onto the game and so like seeing us do that away at barcelona just like made me feel like okay like this is a team that at the very least is going to be fun to watch speaking of davinson sanchez specifically he did have a pretty strong game which was like surprising because you're not expecting dav to ball out against ever. barcelona no away. just ever you could have stopped there i never <laughs> yeah. expect him to ball yeah. out um, I'm still not sold on Dev. I still think that he probably needs to be sold. Um, but it, it, it was a good showing by him. Um, if you think about the kind of the the players that folks have been down on, I think Lacelso has a real shot at being a part of this team. Uh and Dombele, I believe, has been gifted the opportunity to find his way out as well as Dev. Roden was also given that opportunity and he's since been loaned out to Leeds, So he's gone. I think there's still a few more players that probably need to go out. How about late Hoybier? That's, that's an, another one. He, him and Parasic are two that I feel like a month ago, everybody thought they were leaving. And it seems like a lot of opinions might've changed about that, especially Parasic. 
Well, let's let me turn that question back to you guys. How would you feel about Hoybier being on this team next year, considering the change in the system, the way that we're trying to play, what you've seen from him, what you think of him? Would you rather him be on the side or not? I think I I, I don't know if I'd say rather. It, I think it probably depends on what kind of offers we get for him. <clears throat> if we get a good offer, I think that – he is, I think that he's a little underrated in terms of, of just the amount of abuse he gets. I think that he's completely serviceable. He's above average Premier League player. He he is good depth, but I don't think he's exactly, you know, he's not, I don't think he would be in our, our top starting 11, right? I think we kind of talked about this, uh, I forget if it was the last pot or one before that, but ideally our our starting midfield, I think would probably be Basuma, Bentoncourt, and uh, Madison, are going to be those three. Yeah, um, not even close. Yeah, yeah I think Hoybear could is probably a potential number six backup though, like a backup for Basuma. Um, I mean, because who else can play that six? I I don't know enough about. I I, I personally have not analyzed it or know enough to to be able to tell you whether Skiff could play that or um, Sar. But it just sounds like in hearing other people, they think that Sar is definitely not capable of playing it, and that Skip makes people a little uncomfortable with it, that the idea of him being Basuma's direct backup or potentially only backup. Um, I just don't know, you know, personally, if that's the case or not. I, I feel like Skip a couple of years ago, people were really high on him. I I would think that he'd be able to, to, to cover either that six position or that eight that plays more like a box-to-box midfielder. Um, so a long-winded way of saying, if we get good money for, um, for Hoybier, I think I'd be good with it. If uh, if not, though, and he wants to stay, I think he does offer good depth for the team. It's just a question of how much we're going to need that this year without all the other competitions. But Basuma's also had injury issues. So, it, you know, I, I it would be nice to have that, uh, you know, a little bit extra cover there. And then for Perisic, I guess kind of the same thing. I don't I don't imagine anybody's going to offer very much, if anything, for him. <laughs> it seems like that would be more like a mutual parting from the, the the contract. I don't really know, but he seems to really flourish as a uh, as a, a winger. He's two footed. He seems like he'd be a again a great guy to come off the bench to to start putting some balls in the box if you're trying to get a late goal. So I think him. I probably would say let's keep him unless there's any reason that that. Pastacoglu does not want to. I he he just seems like he would be a good bit player for the team. Yeah, I, mean, I agree with all those takes, but I, we got to pick somebody. Like with the the squad's too big, somebody's got to go. I'm not I, sure who it is yeah. besides poor Joe Roden getting getting loaned out again. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think like if I had to pick between between the two, um, I think I probably go Perisic because just to stay just because of his positional flexibility. Obviously, we know like Pierre can get forward a little bit, but uh, uh, Perisic is you can play him up top if we're completely decimated. He's done that before, not not up top, but I think like left left wing, like going forward, um, it can play on both sides if you need to. So probably him, but yeah, I love him as a as a chance. Like, hey, let's 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 fire some balls in here if we need one need one late. Um, and Pierre, I mean. I think Pierre is probably not not that he's fallen off like Dyer has, but he was he was good for a few years, not like ever terrific, terrific. But, um, you know, then kind of just kind of like, oh, okay, he is what he is. You thought that he would get better in year two and year three. And he didn't really. He just kind of stayed the same. He added, you know, more more passing this year a little bit. But um, it's not his fault. He reached his peak, you know, right when he got here that that, and then and that's kind of it that he's just not gotten any better. Well, I will say, like, Hoybier has always been more productive than you think. His statistics always proved to be better than what it looked like when you watched him. Like, he 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 typically failed the eye test, but the stats showed a different story. And, like, he held us down a lot in some of those times in eras where like we didn't have a lot of scoring and passing ability uh he didn't score the ball a lot but he did create a lot for other players um with that said i do agree that parasitch would probably be better for the team moving forward than hoybier if i were to pick between the two i mean first of all parasitch 
signed a two year deal. So like worst case scenario, he's out the door next summer anyway. So it's pretty low risk. I think for Hoybier and thinking about the way that our midfield is going to play, number one, we're not going to be in a two-man midfield anymore, which is a a, a great relief. <laughs> um, but I think thinking about that three-man midfield and, and a team that wants to maintain possession, I think a lot of what made Hoybier uh, a strong statistical player for us was the fact that he was able to um, play a more defensive role play balls out on the counter. Um, and he was kind of like a string player that managed that balance between defense and playing the ball off to a Bentinker type who would kind of play between the lines. I think the way that we're playing now is a lot faster, a lot more, a lot more triangles on the pitch, a lot more quick passing, a lot more one touch. I don't think he strives in that type of system. And furthermore, I think if I were to consider my 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 most wanted or my preferred backup for Basuma, I'd probably go Sar at this point. I think that Hoybier is a better player than Sar, like right now. Yeah. August of 2023. But Sar has way more upside. I don't think Hoybier is going to get that much better than he is right now. Furthermore, I think the fact of the matter is that he's just more of a creative type. Um, I would not describe Pierre as a creative player. And I, I think that he has struggled even in some of the preseason games that I've seen him in to like play the ball quickly. Sometimes it seems like he needs a little bit more time on the ball. And if we're trying to play quicker, like I think he might struggle in all of the same ways that someone like LaCelso might flourish. So uh, when I was saying earlier that if, that we, uh, if we were to have our, our preferred starting three <clears throat> with uh, Basuma, Celso, or not, Basuma, Madison, and Bentoncourt eventually, who do you think then would be the, the the backups for each of those positions? Like who would be like you were saying, Sar potentially is that number six, and then I think we agree Lacelso would be the backup for Madison. Who would I guess between Skip and Sar? Yeah between the other number eight and the number six. I mean, I'd like, I'd like it to be Sar. I just. I feel like Sar would be the number eight backup and the skip would be the six, yeah. if anything, but yeah, yeah, probably true. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And they're still in Dombele. Don't forget him. He's the backup, I mean, backup, it, backup. Uh, we have not seen him play a single minute in the preseason, but I think he has a knock that he had been nursing. And that kind of disallowed him an opportunity to prove himself. The last thing I heard about Tangi was that he had been given the green light to kind of find a new home. So I don't think we'll be seeing him play this year under Ange. But there is a lot to be excited about outside of Tangi and outside of the midfield. I do. Wait, how about this? Do we do we get more though for Tangi or for uh, Big Dave, Davis and Sanchez? Which one is worth more? Ooh, I would. Uh, I mean, that's actually a pretty good question. I would assume that Ndombele would would be worth more, but I really don't know. Like, I really think it depends on who the team that's coming in for them is, um, what they've seen, and how bad and and what needs they have. Cause like, I think, I think both of them could be good players. Um, I think they would need just need a very specific setting to kind of like do well. I, I don't know what Tangy could look like in an Ange system because, as I said, we haven't seen it. We haven't gotten an opportunity to see it. Um, Dav looked well, looked looked good yesterday against Barcelona, but like, that's not a player I would want playing minutes this season for the most part, I feel like he probably would need to go outside of England uh, yeah. to really do well. Yeah. And I think I was thinking they're like probably 15 million a piece. I'm looking it up now. So according to football transfers, uh, Tongi is worth 14 and Sanchez is worth 19. Well, there you go. 
I was thinking 15 to 20 a piece, but I don't, I don't even know if we'll get that. Ever, the problem is that just the clubs outside of England, uh, besides the big, huge ones, can't afford to to even spend that much on players that are so, you know, such uncertainties. Um, I mean, maybe, I guess they could probably afford that much, but nobody's going to take a big punt on Ndombele with, with his history. I think Sanchez, if he does, it's too bad we didn't have a longer preseason, to be honest, because they, they could have probably added some more value to, to some of these players if they'd been able to, to look better under Ange's, you know, style of play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All those games canceled. It's tough. And not only for yeah. that, also like for the team learning a new system and all that, but yeah. also just for putting the, 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 uh, shining up the old toys and putting them back in the window. I don't, I don't see how we had, it seems to me just not very, I don't know. There's not very much time to get rid of a lot of players. And I feel like every summer for the last, how many, at least three summers now, there's been this, we've got a lot of dead wood we need to get rid of. And we almost never do. We end up loaning a bunch of people out on like the last day and that's it. Yeah. I just, I have a hard time. I guess, believing that we're going to be able to, to sell, even if we were to sell a bunch of these players for five or 10 million, I just can't see that happening just because, I mean, I guess it would just have to start happening en masse right now, but just based, based on our past uh, ability to, to do that. I don't know. I wouldn't call myself optimistic about it. I mean, it does very much feel like a situation where we're going to just keep loaning guys out until the contracts expire. Um, right. And I think now, I mean, we're recording this on, Wednesday night, August the 9th, the transfer window closes at the end of August. And I, I feel like we're now in that part of the window where like you're probably going to be looking for loan deals. There aren't. If there were player, if there were teams that were going for your tangies or your dabs or your jet spences, I feel like they would have came out by now. And I forgot so, about Jed Spence. Yeah, Jed Spence is an interesting one. I'm I'm kind of surprised that uh that he's not an Ange style player. It doesn't seem like Pastacago is necessarily very very high on him. I mean, he I know played, a lot of there, he played but... 10 or 15 minutes um in the friendly against Barcelona. He didn't do much. Uh tried to take on a player a couple times, lost the ball. Um, I don't know. Like I don't know. I don't know where he fits on the team that we have right now in the system that we're running. And I also don't know if there are any holes that he really fills. And so if he's surplus to needs, then that's probably another part of the reason why Ange feels like he could do without. I do wonder what happens if we decide to sell Jed opposed to sending him out on loan it would kind of feel like a missed opportunity um, considering the fact that he never really got a chance to prove himself with Spurs, especially considering like how much we wanted him in (laughs) a year ago. Yeah. Uh, I would hope they would loan him. Yeah. I I, I would hope that any player that's still young and, you know, especially homegrown and young, uh, that they would loan them to either another a lower Premier League team or potentially a championship team. Um, I know, and, it, and this doesn't even necessarily uh, correlate directly to that, but I, I know that when we were loaning Brian Hill out a couple times, and I, I didn't understand that because why are we loaning him to a Spanish team if we want him to get used to the physicality of the Premier League? You would think you'd want to keep him in either the Premier League or at worst something that's closer physically, like, like in the championship or they're worried he's going to get too beat up there, but it, yeah. Anyway, I, I think that any player that, that's like under the age of say 22, 23 um, that hasn't really had a chance to prove themselves. I think that you're right, that it would be a potential missed opportunity if we were to sell them right now, unless for some reason they are worth good value right now. And we're worried about them losing that value, but I, I don't see that being the case with, with almost any of the players we're talking about since They've been kind of sitting on our roster state. Yeah, none of these guys' values going up anytime soon. Well, I I do want us to get into some season preview stuff, but the last player that I'll ask about is Sergio Reguilon. What are your thoughts on good old Reg? I didn't I didn't see the game. Uh he got got cooked a few times. That's what it sounded like. Yes, that he he was 
the uh, what's the a defensive the liability? Yeah, <laughs> but it's not like he was injured on the last one, and he's had a tough year or two. Um, and it sucks though because he was such a promising you know player when he first came over to us. I think a lot of people were were pretty high on him, and then. If we don't have Perisic now as playing as a back, if he's playing as a left winger, which he cannot play as a as a back at a back four, um, and then Sessegnon, he with the perennially uh, done hamstrings, um, Sessegnon makes really... guest appearances. He's barely on the, on the team in the first place. Yeah, I mean, like he's like Udo, Waldo, looks... Waldo, Geraldo, Faldo on Family Matters. He might show up every, you know. Every ten. How many episodes. people are going to get that reference? I want to not, not most. <laughs> um, if you don't know Waldo Faldo, I don't know what to tell you, man. Google yeah, him. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I mean, Udagi looks like a, a real special talent. He he looks like he's going to be a good player. I'm really looking forward to seeing him. Um, but aside from him, all of a sudden, if we if Reggie's not there and Sessignanus constantly injured like we don't really have a whole lot of depth at left back I mean I guess I just I can't see us getting rid of I can't see us relying on am I missing somebody in the left back or is it those three because I can't see us relying on either of those two as uh a Davis um yeah seriously Udogi Udogi I think is how it's I think it's Udogi yeah. and then I mean um, when he makes a sick move it's Udogi yeah there you go <laughs> you've been doing that one in yeah right? Um, I mean, he's he's definitely going to be starting on that left side, and then I'm blanking. Uh, I think it's just we used to have a ton Parasitch? of depth, but like, yeah, Parasitch is not going to play in the back four, though. I don't think. I think he'd be he's already a liability in a back five. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm blanking. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, it's... Ben Davis, yeah, I think it'd be Ben Davis, yeah. All right, well. Looking ahead, it's, uh, like I said, Wednesday night as we're recording this, but probably Thursday by the time you listen to it. Our season starts on Sunday, believe it or not. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We've got a few players in. Mickey Vandeven was announced this week. Uh, backup striker Valise was announced. We got Manor Solomon. We got James Madison. We got who am I missing? Um, Who's the other uh, the the Ashley Phillips? Yep. Sario, um, Vicario, our yeah. new our new goalie. So we got a few players in. That's five or six. Well, um, technically, right? I think technically it was Kulisevsky and Poro were both Kulisevsky and Poro were made permanent. So they so were. We have seven. another magnificent seven. Go ahead, call back <laughs> to the beginning of the episode without even without even selling gain. Uh-oh, you just jinxed it. That this is the same as that. Um, <laughs> this has all been we've been spending the cane money before we actually got it. <laughs> no, I don't I don't think so. It doesn't seem like it. The only outgoings that I can recall are Roden on loan, um, term uh end of contract for Lucas Mora, and we sold Harry Winks to Leicester City. So there's probably still a few more outgoings that need to happen. Ange Pasakoglu has also indicated that. We are still looking to sign another center back in addition to Van de Ven. So that's something to look for. The window is, as I said, still open for another about three and a half weeks. So we'll see what happens there. But as we look ahead to this season, how are you guys feeling? Like, are we excited? Are we nervous? Are we depressed? Uh, I feel like we were mostly depressed by the end of last year. So I'm wondering now, looking ahead to a season that's starting in a, in, in a few days with an away match against Brentford, what are the spirits feeling like? High. Spirits are high. Positivity, a father figure that loves you back at the, at the, at the, on the, on the touchline. Um, a, uh, uh, optimism. Kane's still here. Uh, yeah, sure. That may most likely means we lose them for nothing at the end of the year, but not a zero chance. You know, I think I, I, I would say at 50%, he, he, uh, we sell him in January, 40%, he runs out his contract, 10% he resigns, but, um, yeah, feeling optimistic. I, I, especially now also, like you, you mentioned top four earlier, Joel, it's actually top five, most likely 
unofficially, but officially this year. So like we can finish this season, baby. And, and be, and be in the champions league too. So now you only got to be in the top 20 per 25% of the, of the league or whatever it is. It gets the, gets the opportunity to go. So um, yeah, vibes are, vibes are high, especially that, that Arsenal just went out and, and signed Riot. Not great for Arsenal because I, I kind of – it's a weird move, but I, I, I get it. But that Brentford's going to be having to start their backup here in a few days against uh, against Harry, James, and the boys. Like, not a not how you want to start your, uh, your, your, your summer. You talk about yeah. – you mentioned the Kane thing, and I just want to touch base on that real quick. I, I just feel like at this point, for 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 my money, I feel like there's a high likelihood that he just stays through the end of the year at this point. Um, Bayern had their chances and just didn't do what they needed to do. Uh, that some of the tactics that they pulled this summer were very just strange and off-putting, not only to Spurs fans but most likely to Daniel Levy, which is probably why Harry Kane has not been sold. In any event, thinking about the prospect of him likely just leaving a year from now for nothing. I think there's been a lot of confusion for people outside of Spurs saying like, why would you want to lose him for free a year from now? Why would you not want that money? And I think for a lot of fans, and I think this is kind of where I'm settling as well is that like, he is by all accounts, the best player to ever play for Spurs. And like, if he's going to leave because he wants to pursue other things and he wants to get his trophy or whatever the case may be, like if that means we're just going to get him for another year and uh, get an opportunity to watch him and appreciate his brilliance, like I'm fine with that. Like, I, I don't know. Like I, I think a few months ago thinking about it rationally, there was a lot of reason in my mind for us to sell him, but, um, I think a few months before that, I was probably on the other side of it where I was like, we can't sell Kane by any by any stretch. And I think I've kind of fallen back to that space where I'm just like, you know what? If this is going to be the last year that he's with Spurs, like, let me just enjoy it. Like, yeah, it's not my money anyway. And so, like, at the end of the day, you know, we, we started the pod by talking about the fact that Spurs have not had a great history of spending a lot of money well in the first place. So, like whoever we end up buying with the money that we would have sold Kane for would not amount to him anyway. And so at the end of the day, like if that means we're going to get another run at it, another stab at a trophy or two or three and another chance for Spurs fans to enjoy watching Harry Kane, one of our own, then like, give it to me. I would rather him stay for another year than see him go this summer. And and maybe that's goofy, but, so be it. Yeah. And I, I think I think it's hard not to kind of yo-yo back and forth on on that because I felt the same way. And it's I think it's because every time I go one way or the, the other, it's kind of a 60-40 proposition either way. Like I'm always it's so it's, it's kind of like a head a head and heart thing. Like your your rational logical part is like you probably should sell them to get the money if you're gonna get that much for you know one year worth of this player. But obviously, you know, it's like you said, he's probably the greatest, uh, you know, player ever at our club. We've gotten to watch him his whole, his whole career. Um, he is still seems to be, you know, at or close to his prime. Um, definitely will enjoy him being here for another year. Uh, I, I'm with you. It's, it's not our money. They, they know their budget better. I, and I think we talked about this before and not even just if we get champions league, but I wonder how much Kane, for instance, makes the club yearly just for like Jersey sales or shirt sales for whatever. I just wonder like the amount of fans that he brings in, like we've talked about this with Sonny um, bringing in a, a, you know, South Korean contingent. I just, I wonder what the actual, how much you're actually really losing if you don't accept a hundred million. I feel like at least a portion of that would be made back. Um, but anyway. Yeah, that, and how, and how much of that money you're not making when you don't have Harry Kane on your side. Exactly. How many people are not coming out to the games? How many people are not buying shirts from the stadium? Um, and like, you know, like I said, I think there is a lot to be said for just like the joy of watching football. Like 
I think there is when you are considering a new team, a new system, a new coach, and everything that you're trying to implement, that prospect looks a lot different without Harry Kane playing up front. Like, it just does, for better or for worse. And not to say that I wouldn't be excited for this season if Kane had been sold, because I still would have been trying to find things to look forward to. And my allegiance to Spurs is not contingent on Harry Kane. But... I think the, pros- makes it fun. the prospect of this season looks a lot better knowing that Harry Kane's going to be available to bang in goals. I mean, we saw him score four against, um, uh, what was that? Shakhtar Donetsk about uh, five days ago. And like, well, to, to Jesse's point also, it, there's, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he resigns, you know, that, that we actually do have a good year that he is, uh, was, is, is happy with what he sees and that he does resign. I mean, so you're I don't saying think there's a chance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's super likely. What, what were the uh, odds you put on that one, Jesse? I said 50, 50% uh, runs at his contract, 40% sold in January, 10% resigns, you know, before the end of the season. Yeah, I could see that. Well, that's actually a pretty good segue because since we're sitting here, given our predictions and our percentages, uh last year we we did a, a series of, of videos that we posted on our social media pages that kind of gave our predictions and thoughts about next season so as we think about the upcoming year the upcoming sunday against brentford and in, in the season at large this is going to be our last podcast before the season begins and wanted to give everyone on the pod an opportunity to kind of think about what they are looking forward to for this season what they're predicting from the team um, and I guess the exciting players that they're that they're looking forward to seeing. So I guess to start us off, last season was, by all accounts, a dumpster fire. Finished eighth, the worst finish we've had in a decade. Um, and I think a lot of the pundits and um predictioneers. <laughs> have been pretty much writing Spurs off to finish around the same space next year. Somewhere between 7th and ninth is pretty much what I've seen from everyone. So I am curious to hear from you all, um, I guess, a two-part question. Number one, around where do you see us finishing this year? And, and more importantly, I guess the second part of that question is, what would you be what would be the lowest position that you would still be okay with? Oh, good question. I think I, I, I'm, I'm, I think we're going <clears> to, <throat> I think we're going to contend for top four. I think ultimately we'll probably, Oh, finish. there we go. Just jumping really on do. out I, there. I, I think it'll probably take a little bit to, to get going. Um, but I mean, there are other teams that are in, in similar circumstances. Like Liverpool does not look unbeatable. Um, Chelsea, we saw what happened to them last year, man United. I mean, Newcastle, they're going to be in European football. Brighton's going to be in European football. There's going to be a lot of congestion that they're not yeah. really used to. Um, the only team that I can see just doing what they always do is City. Uh, not to say these other teams couldn't stick up there, but it just it wouldn't surprise me at all if we were to compete up for that top three, four, five spot, six, whatever. I ultimately, I think I would probably go like fifth is what I would would say. And that might be slightly optimistic. I think that we are going to have to remember to be patient this year. I think that it will be a little bit bumpy. There's a chance that we will be 10th or even in the bottom half of the table, you know, uh, say around, I don't know, November, December, like not quite at the halfway of the season. I, I still think it could take a while to click, especially defensively. I mean, you already brought this up, but we have, let's see, a new defender coming into a new league that's what, 20, 21? Is that what, how Van Aven is? Yeah. And then he's so. pairing with probably the most rash defender in the league. Who is used to playing in a back three for the last? Well, he, few he's going to have to calm that down. He can't keep yeah. that stuff. And then if we play Poro as the right wing with Udogi, two extremely uh, attacking minded. I think Emerson will have to play back there if we're having Udogi on the left side and Romero that goes wandering. <laughs> um, so I, I'm a little worried for that part of it. But what I'm super stoked for, obviously, is just for it to be fun to watch again. I, I just think it's going to be so much more entertaining to watch this this year. I am uh, optimistic that in the end we'll finish 
pretty close to where we normally do in that in that top six type area. Um, and then as far as the worst that would be acceptable, I mean, I guess as long as I were to see us on an upward trajectory, even if it, I guess, took long in the season, I would hope that would put us at the very worst kind of mid-table, like around where we were last year, eighth to maybe down to like 10th. Um, for me, I do I do want to see an improvement from last year. And so, like, I think if we were somewhere around 8 to 10, for me, that would not be good enough. I, but what if just, we're playing great and you're, we're on an upswing towards the end of the year? That's kind of my point. If it takes a little while for things to get going. No, I, then... I, I, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I just – I don't know if I would be happy with that. I also think that my expectation for this year is that we will – I think we're going to start the season rough. I think we're going to concede a lot early. Uh, I think it's going to be difficult for us. Not, I don't want to see even say difficult, but I think that we're going to give up some goals, um, playing a little bit too aggressively on offense. Uh, I think teams are going to be able to beat us over the top. Um, Brentford is a really scary proposition for week one because I – I see them as a team that loves to play on the counter. And like, I think we're going to be very vulnerable to the back striker, until though. we figure out. Yeah. But they've been missing him for a while. I mean, yeah. he played like half of last season um, and they finished like a point behind us. Anyway, I, I think for me, the expectation, um, I think top four is a little ambitious. This to me is a season for us to figure out who we are. And so I would say I would expect us to finish in the top six. Um, in terms of like the lowest that I would be okay with, I really just want to see an improvement from last year and we finished eighth. So I think if we finish seventh, I'd probably be okay with that. That's not a huge gap between my expectation, um, but I think that's a part of why I my expectation is directly related to what I would be okay with. Is like I'm not expecting us to finish third or fourth. Um, but and when you so, say okay, as, just uh, do you mean like that if, if if we finish ninth, you're demanding Pastakaglu's uh, termination <laughs> or like obviously? Well, no, I, I mean I mean I mean 10, in terms but... of like if we finished ninth i would say we had a bad year and it was worse yeah. than last year and i'm actually not really sure how i feel about what we're doing um because like if we're playing great football and we finish ninth then like to me like we're playing losing football and so like i don't know how confident i am about that next next may if we finish ninth opposed to i'm seeing some improvement we're not leaking as many goals as we did last year. We're winning a few more of those games that we would have lost last year. Like, you know, the Everton in the 90th minute type of nonsense. Like if I can see that improvement, it should also reflect in the table. And so like, for me, if we're finishing ninth, it's very unlikely that I'm going to also feel like we're improving right. as a squad. Like I just, I don't see that personally for me. Um, and so like, I think, even if it's a place better than last year, like seventh is probably the lowest place that I would still feel pretty good. If we finish eighth or lower, I would probably have some concerns, some pretty big concerns. I'm going to be in a similar uh, range here. I think with, uh, with a lot of you fifth, I think is where we're going to be, which would be a champions league position. Not that it's going to be an easy one, but I think fifth is, is going to be where we're at. And then, yes, yeah, same. I know that not always, you know, the 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 table isn't um, always the same, right? Because you know, the, the year that we finished second, we would have won like two other years. Then there's years that like, you know, you you, you nobody seems to want to break seventy points, so points also matter, not just position. I think so. Yeah. On average, those things kind of even out, but um you know if we're if we're eighth again but with more points i'm okay but you know just on the simpleness of it like seventh uh i'd be seventh or or above to uh to still be uh feeling feeling acceptable i think you know newcastle is going to be a problem for a while but like if i were to, if i'm trying to think who we finish behind and ahead of i think newcastle you know potentially slips out 
And, uh, and I think we, you know, that's, that's one spot. I don't remember who all was above us last year, but like, I'm, I'm thinking that city will finish ahead of us. I'm thinking that United will finish ahead of us. Um, and then I don't want to say, but it looked like Arsenal probably will be, you know, pretty good this year. But I don't know. Maybe I guess that that puts us fourth. I don't know who else. Uh, Liverpool, I forgot Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool is not going to be as bad as they were last year. You know, that's just not going to so happen. Last so. year, the teams that finished above us were City, Arsenal, United, Newcastle, Liverpool, Villa, Brighton. Those last two really, really hurt. Um, yeah, the I forgot. Last two plus Newcastle. Again, they're going to have European competition. I just don't think they're like they're going to have a hard time this year. We saw that happen with Leicester, and then I mean, we've seen that throughout the years. Where uh, actually, except for West Ham, although the, West Ham won the uh, the Conference League last year, but what what place did they finish the league in? Yeah, fourteenth. Kind of just yeah, they started just concentrating on that. I just think it's really tough for teams that are not used to Europe to all of a sudden have that many extra matches. Yeah, well, so fifth, fifth, seventh, and I'll start the next round. I do think uh, we win the Carabao or the FA Cup. Oh, it, we we're <laughs> so making a, there. <laughs> we're making a silverware <laughs> prediction. They're going to break a fifteen-year drought or whatever it is, uh, and you're just slipping it in there. Oh, by Al the way, won a treble last year. He didn't come here to not win trophies. Got a good old taste early on <laughs> for the for the big mate. Sounds like old Jesse's back. <laughs> well. Kim was not able to join us today, but she did leave us with a little bit of her thoughts and predictions for next year. Hey, Spurs fans. Kimmy from the Close Our Youth Podcast. Um, just here to give some of my predictions for the season. Uh, when it comes to our um, finishing the table, I think we're going to end up finishing fifth. Uh, I think um, just the team was just looking so good attacking. Um, when we played Barcelona that I really think that's going to uh, propel us throughout the year. I think we can really just think about our team just being super attacking. It's going to be fun. I think we're going to bag a lot of goals and I think it's going to lead to more wins than people, than, you know, other people might think. Um, when it comes to uh, player of the season, this is caveated. Um, you know, I am picking Harry Kane. So hopefully that means that Harry Kane is going to be here, um, you know, through the end of the month. We'll see about that. Might have to make an update to this at some point. Uh, when it comes to our most surprising player, I think it's going to be just our entire midfield. You know, I felt like last year, many times we thought our midfield kind of let us down. Uh, we didn't get enough goals out of midfield. Maybe our midfield didn't have enough assist in them. And I think this year, um, just Basuma, um, Skip, uh, when Bentacor comes back, um, James Madison, like, I think our midfield is just going to be vastly improved. And I think them attacking, we're going to end up seeing a lot more goals and assists coming from our midfield. Um, uh, next up is, do I think we'll win a trophy? And I am going to say yes. I feel like Ange really takes um, the cup seriously. And so I think it um, really could lead to us um, winning a trophy this year. And we don't have Champions League as well, so... Um, that should make it easy, um, easier for us to focus on um, the cups. And lastly, um, my score prediction, one of my least favorite things to do is predict scores, but I'm going to go with a 3-3 versus Brentford on Sunday. Uh, I just think our defense is not yet going to be where we want it to, but I do think we'll end up bagging a lot of goals, so it should be fun. So looking ahead to next year, I know we did this last season, but interested to hear a couple things. Number one, who would you predict to be our player of the year? Number two, who is the player that you're most interested in watching? Um, either because you think they'll be the most surprising player or just because you're really interested to see what they have to offer. Um, and I'll go first here because I think this is a really lazy pick. It's lazy, but it's, I mean, it's Harry. <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, he is everything. He is, he, he is the first player that you think of when you think of this club with reason. He always seems to find new ways to 
improve, which is crazy because I feel like he came out at like gangbusters. People were calling him a one season wonder. And it seems like every year he kind of just like adds new things to his game, whether it's the playmaking, whether it's the holdup play, whether it's the headers, whether it's the adding the left foot. Um, And now he's just so good. I feel like he can, he's now in a system where he can create for others, but he can also just like sit in the box and score poacher goals. And I think like, I'm, I'm really just excited to see what that looks like for him. Um, in terms of the player that I'm most excited to watch, there's so many options this year um, because I feel like we're just playing a more exciting brand of football. And so I don't know. It's tough. I am. I'm a little torn between Kulisevsky and Udogi. I think Kulisevsky's due for a resurgence. He looked really bright in the match against um, Shakhtar. And I think like last year, hopefully it was just a down season and hopefully like he'll have an opportunity with a lot more possession this season to kind of like kick on. and. Udagi feels like a player that like we got, we hyped up, we waited for him to come. And then he came and like, obviously we only had a few preseason games, but based on what we've seen from him so far, he seems to like really be living up to the hype. And so I'm excited to see how that plays out. Yeah. I, uh, it's hard not to pick Kane, obviously. Um, but we keep it interesting, at least. I think Madison uh, has a good chance yeah, to be a player of the yeah. year there. So, and I always have a uh, you know extra fondness for a creative midfielder, creative attacker in general. I should have said him for the player I'm most excited about, actually, because I, I, he, I am he's really, up there with that. Yeah, I'm really excited about him. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, as far as yeah, players I'm, I'm most looking forward to watch, uh, Madison would definitely be up there, and Udogi would be up there for me too, or Udogi. Um, let's see who else would be in Udogi. You know what? Actually, I'll, I'll go with Basuma for this one because I'm 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 curious to see after you know he he came in pretty uh, heralded last year. Um, we we thought we were getting a, a you know a midfielder that was one of the better ones in the Premier League for several years in, at Brighton, and I just don't think he fit Conte's system. Had some injuries. Um, we heard a lot of talk early on in this uh, off season about him and. And then I guess I got to pick just one more, just, just a, a shout out. We talked about this already, but Lo Celso. I'm very curious to see if we can have the uh, Lo Celso songs here. Is this the uh, Celso songs? Is this the year that Gio gets his own chant? Could it be? <laughs> you never know. You, you never know. I think, yeah. he, uh, I really think he could, he could do something this year. So I'd love we'll to see. hear the South stand just singing Gio's name. That would be. Truly amazing. And while I mean, we're at it, while we're at it, we need to come up with a Emerson Royale chant. I'm, I'm just putting that out there. I think um, a lot of great, a lot of great takes so far. Um, I, uh, I put my MVP. I'm just going to, I'm just going to pull for him. Um, a guy that finds his own joy, but I think is going to just be rekindled that, that he's going to be playing on the front foot. Not that he ever wasn't. Um, but playing for a manager that that um, you know is uh, a sun bounce back year. Um, I don't know what exactly, but sunny bounce back year. I feel like he's going to be the MVP. Um, and then player I'm the most excited to see. I mean, like Madison's one of those guys where every once in a while, you know, like you your your team that it just feels like he just would cut us up. And uh, and having him, you know, be able to to play for your team, it felt a little bit like Johnny Damon when when he joined the Yankees. Not yeah. that it's like a rival, but it was like a guy that I was just like, man, this guy always performs against us. He just seems like such a perfect player um, to have for us. And then like having him now, so super excited to see him. But um, I think uh, I think I'm, I mean, I guess this is the second year I'm going to go on him, but like. Decky came in so hot and then started well in at least game one last year and then fell off. And it seems like a lot of the stuff that, that I've been reading it, maybe we forget about him because he's been here for a year and a half or whatever, but it seems like he might be, um, he might be having a, a resurgent year. Um, 
to he's still how old? 23? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he's still very young. Well, there's a lot to look forward to. There's a lot to be excited about. I think the last thing to touch on before we go is to make some predictions for this upcoming match against Brentford. We we did a woeful job of predicting games last season. I'm, I'm looking at last year's record. What we did for the record is we were actually keeping track of all the predictions over the year. And so what we did was if you called the exact score correctly, you got a win, which was three points. If you called the correct results, you got a draw for one point. And if you either got the wrong results or well, if you got the wrong result, it was obviously just a loss. Um, it looks like what do we what do we end up here? Because I, 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 at some point we stopped making predictions because the season was going so poorly. It looks like Jesse and I tied on 19 points for the season. <laughs> uh, I only had two correct scores with uh, 13 draws. Uh, Jesse had three correct scores with 10 draws. And we we finished with 19 points apiece. So going into this season, I'm already expecting our predictions to be awful because we did not do a great job of it last year. I I think last year was also just wacky and very difficult to predict. Tough year. Um, But we, you know, we're 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 pushing forward. We have faith in ourselves. We have faith in our skills. It'll be more fun to not just keep predicting two one at least. And that's true. Optimistic, this is this uh, is the team that's actually going to try to score goals. And so is is there anyone so bold as to set us off with the first prediction of 23-24? Yeah, three two. It's gonna be an open open game. Um I think we go down one oh and then back up two one and then uh Three one and then a, and then and then a quick second goal and then we're holding on there towards the end and it's just breakneck back and forth. Um, How many points does Jesse get if all that happens? So that's, that's got to be a six pointer, right? <laughs> it's a bonus, yeah. <laughs> Extra points for the for the correct uh, run of show. I'm actually going to go with a two two draw, which I don't think I'll be upset about either. I mean, I think for this first game. I could easily see us losing this game away to Brentford, to be clear. But I think for this first game, I really want to see, number one, like this Van de Ven kid that I've been ta- hearing about all summer. Like, let's see what he looks like. I think it's going to take some time for him to bed in. I think it's going to take some time for our defense in general to figure out exactly who they are and how they play in the system. And so I imagine that we will be leaking goals in the early part of the season with the hope that by the end of the year, we figured out who we are and we're able to actually rack up some wins. Um, I know Jesse talked about like what happens if we're 10th place by November and like, are we going to start freaking out? And I, I really hope not because I, I, I do think that we can afford to start the season a little uh, touch and go as long as we're showing signs of improvement and we're able to finish the season strong. If you look at the last two years, we didn't start that great in 21, 22. We finished really strong and ended up in the champions league. The year after that was basically the opposite. We squeaked out a few wins that we were all looking at each other and saying, how do we win that game? And then after the world cup break, we pretty much fell apart and finished eighth. And so I would much rather us finish the season strong than start it strong and and finish poorly. Um, So like, yeah, I'm going to say two, two draw. I think it's going to be wide open. I think our defense is going to be vulnerable, but we'll also be controlling most of the possession and, and find the goal a few times. And as long as we're showing some positive signs, I think I'll be okay with that. Yeah, I uh, those are both good picks. I like. I'm gonna, I'm gonna combine your two. I'm gonna go three three, because um, I I do not trust our defense yet. Hopefully, they'll prove me wrong. I, I, I mean, two goals is still not trusting the defense. You really don't trust. I the really defense. don't trust the defense. Did you, I mean, I saw that Barcelona score. You know, 
No, I, uh, especially, the, I, I guess, well, here's the question, and I know we probably should have talked about this earlier, or we, we haven't talked about who we think is going to start this weekend, but who's the, who are the starting center backs? Is it going to be Vandeven just thrown right in? I just, Vandeven and Romero have only met each other like 72 uh, hours ago, and they're going to start a match together and not concede. <laughs> I, yeah, um, I, I, I mean, that's a really good question. I think probably Davies. I, that's tough. I mean, they start Sanchez at left back. A, <laughs> a, a part of me has just been assuming that he would start, um, but maybe that doesn't make a lot of sense. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to say Romero Vandeven. Let's yeah. Let's Might just go after it. I do. Off. I do think though. I do think though that right back needs to be um, Emerson. Emerson. I. I. Yes. Yeah, I don't want Paro, I don't want Paro playing in that position. Uh, he played a lot of kind of interval winger kind of midfield stuff against Barcelona, and I think that's probably where he's best. So, yeah. That's when Davis is playing left back, probably, though. So, yeah, that's that's why I'm going to stand by my 3-3 because I think we're going to have just a completely untested defensive line <laughs> in one way or another. So, uh, I hope that I hope it ends up being 3-1. That's what I want it to do, but... Three one Spurs way, yeah. Three one Spurs <laughs> way, yeah. Right. So I guess that should be one three in uh in English. Yeah, right. Parlance, exactly. British parlance. All right. Well, we'll see how it goes. We're back in business on Sunday. Yeah, we're back. Refer it away. Come on, you Come Spurs. On you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs.